0: You're listening to The Product Edge and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. I'm
1: Georgia Hart, Principal Consultant at Middleton Executive and your guest host. I'm passionate about all things product and tech and can't wait to explore some amazing topics with Australia's top product leaders. Joining me today is the infamous Kent Weathers. Kent is the Chief Product Officer at BrainMates and Director of the Association of Product Professionals, a global industry body for product people. They represent the people and practices and work tirelessly to advance the profession of product management. He is a leader with 20 years of experience bringing technology products to market. He's founded a tech startup in the US and led the company for 14 years as CEO before exiting and going on an epic year-long adventure with his family on a 52-foot yacht. He's with us today to tell us why he thinks it's important to establish global best practices in product management and to help product professionals create great products. Before we dive into all of this, Kent, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Sure. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I I think you could probably divide my career into three equal thirds. Um, The very first third of my career, uh, I was a university student. I started an internship with the company. I went to work for them straight after university. Uh, And my why at that time Mm -hmm what was driving me was I simply wanted to build my business skills and I wanted to build my leadership ability. And I was measuring my success by, was I getting more responsibility? Was I leading? Was I now starting to manage? Was I managing people? Was I managing a team? Was I managing a bigger team? Was I managing a country? <laughs> and, and that uh, that led me to Australia for the first time. It was a US company. At 26, I came out to run the Australian division for that, that organization. And that part of my career is when I really fell in love with frameworks. I called them duplicatable systems. I I believe that if you had a great program, you could put anyone inside it and they should get the same results you did. Uh, Now your why always starts to change as you go through your life and mine did too. Uh, I was working for a global corporate uh, and I started to have this itch to prove, could I do it for myself? Could I go create my own company or my own organization? And so we went back to the States and I found my own tech startup was just me and one developer when we began. And I remember when I was looking around and there was over 60 full-time developers and I was thinking, wow, that we've really started to scale this, this organization. But that was when I fell in love with product management because we were building and bringing products to market. And I used that previous love of frameworks to scale that organization because I had to build teams and then later functions that could get the same results that I did. And so, frameworks and product—that was what I was all about. Uh, when we took the exit, uh, we did spend that year that you just mentioned uh, sailing across the South Pacific from North America back to Australia, uh, and and here we are. And the third part of my career, I'm currently the Chief Product Officer at Brainmates, which is a uh, the premier product management services firm in the APAC region, where we teach organizations how to transform their practices, and I'm using frameworks and product in this current role. I'm really happy about that. And as a director of the Association of Product Professionals, we're working at global best practices across the globe, across industries, across organization side for the product practice. And that's who I am.
1: And it's so impressive and I cannot wait to dive in more. Um, Look, product management, it's been evolving for the last 20 years, if not even longer. Um, What was your main driver to establish the Association for Product Management? And why do you think now is the right time to do that?
2: Yeah, it's because of the problem that we're seeing today. (laughs) Uh, You know, over the last 20 years, as, as product has developed from something nascent to something more developed, we're seeing more and more organizations hire them. Particularly in the last 10 years, more and more organizations are hiring them. In the last five years, everyone's hiring them. So people don't even know what a product manager is, but they know they have to have one, right? And it's really that explosion in organizations that suddenly have product teams and they're they're organizations that have no idea what good product practice is. And, And what we're seeing happen, training organizations that train in product or consulting organizations who go into these organizations and consult and try to help them learn what product is. Well, 70% of what those consulting or training organizations teach is the same, but everything is differentiated into proprietary framework or mythology. Of course, that's just good product work, right? That's how they, they sell that that practice. But that means that one consultant comes in an organization and says, you must change and start doing it this way. And the organization says, yes, but that's just your method. And the other consultants said to do it a different way. And the next one's going to say something else. And that means we don't have any global or industry-wide standards or best practices. And so organizations themselves are not changing and they're not empowering all these product people to do good product work. And we looked at how other industries have solved this. And I'll use accounting as an example. CEOs are not telling their their accounting teams to skip best practices in the name of delivering faster, which is exactly what they tell their product teams, right? But that's because accounting has established best practices. You get a university degree in it to get a job. And then even those organizations, even though you have a university degree, they, they want you to have a CPA license so they know you're current in that best practice. And the CPA license, that's just an industry association that has set the standards and make sure that you're current on it. And we believe that product needs that global standard so that C-suite executives believe they must follow these practices. And so we don't think any of these individual consulting firms or training firms across the world, and there's so many amazing and great ones, can solve that problem. We wanna to bring together an association made up of all its members, all of those service providers across the globe, all the individuals that work in product and align around those best practices and help to establish them. That's why the time is right right now.
1: So what are the, I guess, main or biggest or most common problems and challenges that you're seeing product organizations face?
2: There's a lot. There Um, is a lot. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I think it starts at the top. It it starts with even the org structure of these, these organizations. They bring in this product team, but it's reporting in the wrong place or they don't have a senior leader to represent it or they think it's a silo and don't understand that the product is the entire customer experience. There's many functions that need to align. So structure is one of them. Uh, this leads into things like uh, customer ownership problems, where you have an organization where sales owns the customer. Product isn't even allowed to talk to them. And so mm-hmm. the ideas can't even be validated. Uh, discovery can't be done. One of the big ones, one of the hot topics in the last 12 months, and we've talked to a lot of HR teams, capability uplift teams, um, people and culture teams, there's a lot of hiring problems where organizations are hiring product people thinking that they'll be good at this role because they were good at a role that looked like that at another organization. But because those organizations do products so differently and there was a different expectation on that role, that person doesn't work out for them. Or worse, the big trend we're seeing in the last six to nine months is product people are only giving organizations about six months before they decide this isn't actually a good place for product people. And they've been hired and onboarded and they're leaving and they're going somewhere else because it was a mismatch in that expectation. That's something that's really, really prevalent right now. Um, We're also seeing because of all of these issues, strategies coming from the executive team down into product and product people are really just delivery teams. They're not validating ideas, not working with their customers. But I think all of those things go back to one issue. The organization doesn't understand what good practice is, what it looks like, and how to know if they're hiring the right people for that role.
1: Yeah, and I I touched on that in another episode with Ben Wirtz where we talked about hiring your first product manager. And I think um, hopefully you'll agree that I think it's important for CEOs, founders, whoever it might be, recruiting these product managers to, to follow that skill gap analysis. Why are we hiring this person? What do we need this person to achieve? And the outcomes, focusing on the outcomes. Um, what what would you say is, I think, the most important practice for an organization to start with? It, it, is there just one or is there going to be multiple that you know, you're going to be putting, helping them implement?
2: Mm. If you can only pick one, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll probably mention a couple. <laughs> but if you could only pick one, I, I think many of the ones I would mention go back to one root cause. Um, a, an organization that doesn't understand product sees product as a function on its own. Where product isn't a function, it's not even a role. A product is the entire customer experience. And a product isn't defined by our org structure or how we view our product or our product portfolio, but it's viewed by how the customer sees the the, the product. And and here's what I mean. The product is, how did I hear about the product? How did I buy it? What was that experience like? Um, How did I start to use it? I was onboarded, it was installed, it was implemented. I had taught myself. Um, Now I'm using the product, right? And so many times, Organizations think that's all it is. If it's a phone, it's the device in my hand. If it's a SaaS product, it's the software. But that's only one part of the product. Now something goes wrong with the product. I need help. I reach out to get help, whether it's training or something breaks or it's warranty or support. That's also part of the product. The product is the entire customer experience, every single customer touchpoint. Now that means that one function doesn't own all of that. There's many different functions. There's a sales function. There's a customer service function. All of these teams actually have to align around the mindset of what a product is and how we solve customer problems and experience we create. Um, we just had a leading the product conference in the USA and, and one of our speakers was the chief product and experience officer at, at Upwork. And what Upwork did is they realized this and created that added bit in his title, which was, and experience. And they took all of those leaders of all those different functions that touch the customer experience and put them into one council, their words, but a team, that he would come in and work on aligning how we solve customer problems and what that experience is like. So they're creating one consistent customer experience and that's product. And I think it starts there now, how you do that? There's more, but I'll I'll stop there for a moment. And say I think it starts there.
1: <laughs> I think there's going to be yeah a lot that we could unpack there. Maybe in another episode. Um, on the flip side, what are the problems and challenges that you're seeing product professionals have day to day, or you
2: know, on the reg? <laughs> yeah, uh, let me come at this from two different angles. One problems maybe caused by the organization, and then one maybe problems caused by the individual. Uh, I'll, I'll circle back to what I said earlier about hiring. Mm-hmm. It's not just the organizations that are being disappointed right now. It's also the product individuals. So we talk to a lot of them, as you can imagine. And here's a common uh, description of interviewing right now and product we're hearing in Australia. Interviewing is a waste of time. And what I mean by that is because every organization has a completely different expectation of what that role will do, product managers are going through job descriptions and trying to read between the lines and trying to understand. And it maybe it sounds the same, but it's not. Then they get into an interview and they find out it's completely different. Waste of time. They're even accepting jobs and roles and six months later leaving them. And that's because this complete misalignment about best practice or standard or how things should be done. Um, I think that's an issue. Uh, I think another challenge that we're seeing is that organizations, because they don't understand those best practices, they're not empowering their product people to do good product work. The, the result of that are failed products, wasted money, of um, much lower expected return on investment than the, than the C-Suite's looking for. We know that the the study on what we term a product-led organization says that they get a 1.8 return on investment from one that is not. That's a massive difference, almost a 2x improvement in your return. So I think that is a, a real issue that organizations should care about. I think from the individual's perspective, they don't understand the difference between capability and influence. Capability is simply your technical skill right? And early in your career, that matters. But no one gets promoted on technical skill. They get promoted based on influence, the ability to drive impact, significant outcomes for the organization, their ability to influence and align others. And at the Association of Product Professionals, we spent a year studying that and developing a proficiency framework, even an assessment, the first assessment that we've seen in any industry that can measure influence in addition to capability. And we developed what we call a do-to-lead framework, the five levels of a product manager's career, from do, to collaborate, to impact, to guide, to lead. And we really try to help product individuals understand where their capability is strong, but their influence isn't. So we've been talking to a lot of product managers who think they're senior. They've got quite a lot of experience, and technically they're very, very strong, and they're not getting promoted and they're frustrated. And usually it's because while their capability is strong, their influence is very low. And so others in the organization don't see them as a leader they think they should be. And so I think that as a product individual, when you're driving your own career, you need to understand both capability and influence and what skills are required, both technical and adaptive. Uh, I think that's an issue I'm seeing on their side.
1: Yeah, and I can I, I can see where see that translating when we're you know recruiting at Middleton Executive and especially when you go back to uh, hiring managers not really understanding what it is that they need from this person and if you don't know what you're hiring how are you supposed to interview somebody for that so we really challenge hiring managers of why they want to hire this person and again going back to the outcomes so that we can Find that right person who is either going to focus on the roadmaps or the strategy or you know bringing the product to market
2: that's um, so important i I'm, and I'm sure you have these conversations with these clients all the time because we see a lot of job ads that look like just a copy and paste from every yeah. other job ad right they oh, what are other people saying and we we've broken down our framework into 26 specific skills that are required in product 20 are technical and six are adaptive but they're divided into what we call quadrants and those indicate role specialization and that's what you were just talking about right so if you're looking for someone that is literally just going to sit with a delivery team and and write user stories well you need someone with that specific skill set you don't want to hire someone that thinks are coming in to do customer validation and research and discovery that's a different skill set right and and being clear on what that job description is is for what level of seniority do i need What role specialization skill do I need? That will help you speak to the market better and find that recruit that is going to work out in your role and also will stay with you.
1: Absolutely. So... Following on from that, then you've hired your product manager, they're settled in the role. What can organizations or leaders do to support the product manager in being more successful and helping them progress in, in their career within the business so that you know product managers aren't shifting jobs every two, three years, if not less?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I think we can speak to this one because uh, the Association of Product Professionals, and I'll, I'll, I'll abbreviate it and call it APP for short, <laughs> we're working with a lot of organizations, right? So there are organizations like woolly X, Myob, Domain, Willow, TabCorp, ProductSeed. All of these organizations have actually worked with us. They have brought their teams, they paid for their memberships to APP. They've had their team go through the capability assessment. They're looking at that product proficiency framework on how do we actually develop the capability in our team. And I think through this process, we're really putting our finger on something, if the organization itself isn't clear on product bec- practice, how to define roles and role specializations, how does that compare against global standards, it makes it very hard for them to keep the product people because they don't know how to assess them. They don't know how to train them. And so with these organizations, we're working across the org, capability, uplift, Uh, human resources or people, depending what the organization calls it, and the product function to say, let's do an annual assessment of our team capability, make an uplift plan for that next year, and then let's measure that outcome again. And then at the same time, trying to align those recruiting or those hiring practices and how we assess and develop our people. Some of the outcomes from that have been quite strong. Uh, I think that when you look at organizations that have their own way of doing product, the most important thing they should regularly do is measure it against global standards. How do we compare against the rest of the world, not just one country, right? And so having that access to that data across country, across industry size, across uh, industry, is so important. So you know, are our practices meeting what product people expect? And are we evolving them in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, because I must admit, my product knowledge is very siloed to Australia, (laughs) very limited to Australia. Um, I should probably get started on broadening that. (laughs) What um, What does success look like for the association?
2: One sentence. Organizations believe as deeply in product practice as they do in accounting practice. And, and I'll tell you how we intend to bring that about and, and why an association, right? I, I touched on earlier that independent companies with proprietary frameworks, they can't align the world, right? And that's the reason for an association of all of those individual proprietary companies. But our, our mission is to first align all of those people and product around those best practices. We're not going to decide them. The industry is going to help to craft and shape what those are. And then you need someone to tirelessly promote them until they're globally accepted, Mm -hmm. not just by product people, but by the organizations that they work inside. And then we intend to offer that independent third party global body ability to independently assess both the organizations and the product individuals against those best practices. Um, We will never be a training organization. We don't offer training, we don't offer consulting. Our members do that, but as that independent person who's responsible for those standards, we can assess whether people are meeting them. We we intend to advocate for the people and product, to their industries, to their governments, to their organizations, and we also mean to uplift the industry for all the service providers that, that work inside it. And so we'll measure our success by establishment and alignment on those best practices. All the major service providers belong the number of global members that we have that organizations say we only want to hire people that meet those standards. And, and last, we intend to be partnering with universities across the globe because we want to bring about a university degree in product management. That's a standard that's across the world, just like you get one in finance. Yeah. That's how we measure success.
1: Yeah. I'm uh... You know, having spoken to so many product managers, every I don't think I ever spoken to a product manager that hates doing product management, and it, it was always in the back of my mind. One day, <laughs> should I? Um, and so it's great to see that you know the industry is evolving, and you know there's going to be an opportunity for students to be able to go out and study product management, understand what it is, rather than just being thrown into this industry, <laughs> right. which you know it can sometimes be the best way for people to learn, but not for everyone. Um, and where do you think, what's your prediction for where the product industry is heading in the next sort of 10, 20 years?
2: Well, when you simply look at the trends of where we are today and, and how they're accelerating, there's about 800,000 people that are currently, not used to, but currently holding a job inside a product management function. Uh, I expect that number to double in the the next 10 years. This is a prevailing trend. It's a very hot role. It's one that's going to be increasing. I believe those roles will start to specialize. That as we start to to see those global best practices coalescing around the world, we won't have these catch-all, copy-paste roles that, that seems like they can do everything. We're going to see specialization inside industry. We're already seeing some of that today. And I believe we're going to see that university degree. I believe... That we will see a very different experience as a product person 10 years from now and we intend to be an organization that helps to make that happen we know that organizations that are product led to use that term i referenced have a 1.8 return on investment that means better products better outcomes for the customers better outcomes for the business and i guess my challenge to any organizations that listen to your your podcast are is will your organization be one of them and for product professionals my question to you would be, will you be one of the people that contribute to your profession and help make that happen? And you can do that at the Association of Product Professionals.
1: So cool. I uh, Yeah, I'm going to be sending this episode out to everybody to have a listen to. <laughs> Ken, would love to know a little bit more about you. What's What would you say has been your greatest achievement today in your career?
2: Mm. um is is that question limited to career or is that life
1: no it can be in your life I mean look I think the whole year on the yacht was a pretty incredible achievement to sail from Australia to America sorry yeah. other way around
2: well I'll, I'll tell you this um when I was in year two I had to write an essay called what I will do when I grow up my mother kept that essay for 30 years and gave it to me right before I sailed off from North America because what I wrote when I was eight years old was, I will grow up to have 45 boats and I will cross the sea. Now, I have no idea why 45 boats, that's (laughs) having had one, uh, 45 blows my mind, but I did grow up to cross the sea. I, I remember as a as a child reading Mutiny on the Bounty, people ask me, what was the book that had the most impact on your life? And I answer, Mutiny on the Bounty. And they say, what? Um, and that's because I fell in love with the South Pacific. And what I imagined was not just visiting it mm-hmm. and not just sailing there, but captaining my own ship there, right? That's, that's the heroes that I was reading about. Uh, and to do that, it's not as easy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I had to do was design a life that would allow that. Uh, I had to design a business that could generate the income that would that would pay for that and let you take that sort of time and in the type of trip that you want to take. I had to learn a lot of skills. I had to acquire things, right? And it's it's one thing to go for a two-hour Sunday sail. It's another thing to, to cross an ocean. Uh, so, to me, that's probably my greatest accomplishment. Yeah,
1: it's an, it's an incredible accomplishment that I don't think many people would ever have the. It's the word I'm looking for it wouldn't even cross their mind, I don't think, to try and achieve something like that. So, I'm very jealous. Um, and what's the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome?
2: Hmm. Um, I'm gonna say, me, and, and here's what I mean by that we, I think, all of us inside, especially when you start to see success in your career it's easy to think you're the smartest person in the world, right? That it's you and it's not the people around you. And when I was in my early twenties, I thought that way. And, and, and I could struggle with that. And then if I was managing or leading people that weren't performing to the same level, I was, I could get frustrated very, very quickly. Right. Or you wouldn't listen to the people around you that were wiser or smarter And I I think one of the the most important things for me at each stop along the way has been being able to conquer that and, and to always view myself as the dumbest guy in the room who surrounds myself with amazing people. And, and so I really seek out specialists who know their craft and I build teams of specialists. All of them are smarter than me in their field. Yeah. So I guess my special skill is being able to bring them together as a team But the biggest obstacle for most of us, don't think you're the smartest person in the world, right? (laughs) Build a team of experts around you.
1: Control that ego.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Ken, it's always an amazing time chatting to you. I find you such an influential person and speaker. Can't wait to see what happens with uh, APP and and the the change that you're going to make in the industry. How can people stay connected with you?
2: Well, anyone at any time can reach out and try to connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I accept those, those those requests. I'm connected to a lot of people uh, in the industry. Uh, if, if you want to learn more about the Association of Product Professionals, then you should go to productprofessionals.com uh, and, and learn more about the mission and, and how you can contribute to it.
1: Yeah, we'll, um, we'll add all of the links in the show notes for sure. And lastly, what would be your one piece of advice for product managers?
2: Be intentional about your career. I think too many of us let our career happen to us instead of intentionally designing and driving it. And I believe that starts with knowing where you want to go, who you want to be, and then having the help to honestly assess where you are and then design the plan to fill those gaps Uh, and And I'd really encourage you to do that and to focus on the influence or the adaptive skills because that's really what makes all the difference.
1: Awesome. Kent, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting
2: to you. It was wonderful being here.
0: Thank you for listening to The Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to productedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.